Thank you, Susan. I want to thank those who made it possible. We have uh, brand new face masks here at Beargrass, and so hundreds of these are available with the Beargrass logo. If you'd like to uh, get one, contact the church office. We'll be glad to uh, provide them for you. So thanks again for being with us uh, on this Sunday morning. I also want to thank uh, all of you for uh, your participation in the Labor Day Eve service last uh, Sunday night. Uh, many of you made that possible. Uh, we had a wonderful turnout on a beautiful evening, and, and I hope you had a, a meaningful Labor Day holiday. In fact, labor issues have been in the news a lot lately. It's been my experience that on Labor Day, we don't think much about Labor Day and what, uh, why we celebrate it. But uh, if you've been reading the headlines, uh, there's been a lot of it uh, in the news. Uh, the American labor movement is making great headway. Uh, support for unions in America has risen to 65%. Uh, striking teachers and other groups who've hit the streets have been rewarded uh, with their efforts. Politicians, uh, we're getting close to the election, and politicians are realizing they really do need working class votes. Uh, folks are pushing for paid family leave. There are only two countries in the whole world that do not mandate it, and guess who's one of them? Ugh. COVID. Uh, COVID has caused us to think about essential workers. And we have found that some of the most essential workers are paid the least. Uh, people are not only seeking equality, but they're seeking equity as we try to address issues that have been in our system for hundreds of years. And more folks are trying to figure out more folks are trying to figure out what is right and just and fair for all people. So, speaking of Labor Day, our story today is about a different Labor Day. Uh, there are many passages in the Bible with which we agree completely. They are easy to comprehend. They make sense. They do not disturb us. But we have also found, I suspect, that there are some tricky texts in the good book, amen, uh, such as this week's perplexing parable from Matthew 20. Uh, the message that Jesus seems to be communicating grates against our understanding of what is fair and just and appropriate. <sighs> equal pay for unequal work. This really just is not right. And I, would, I, <laughs> I doubt this passage is on anyone's favorite text list. Is this on your top ten? No, I, I, I doubt it. Now, now we, have to, we have to admit, this is a great deal for the latecomers. But for those who consider ourselves to be first comers or even middle comers, this is, this is a really irritating story. Have you ever experienced the kind of aggravation that we sense from the dynamics among these people? Um, are you the oldest child and you've complained again and again by the youngest child getting privileges far earlier than you did? Amen? 
Have you stood in line for hours to try to get great tickets for an event only to see someone get in right away because they know somebody? Have you worked for years only to see newer employees get more attention and more salary and more benefits? We know this story because we live this story again and again, and that's why it bothers us so much. Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? You know, this is no way to run a vineyard or a business or anything, for that matter. Can't Jesus, can't you come up with some kind of sliding scale or something like that? And, you know, can't, can't the government come up with some kind of 1040E that makes it equal and right? And, and, and pardon me, Jesus, but this is no way to run a kingdom either. Just my opinion. But if the realm is like this, I'm not sure I want to be a part of it. Now, now some context for the story might be helpful for us. Jesus' words made a lot more sense to the folks who first heard them than to us because of our uh, lack of an agricultural background. But back then, labor conditions were tough and hours were long, sunrise to sunset, pay was minimal, about a dollar a day. Unemployment was rampant. Folks were trying to eke out some kind of living. But during harvest time, during harvest time, it was not unusual for a landowner to hire people all day long in an effort to gather up the crop. We've heard that story well told by Stephen and read by Susan this morning. And I gained a new appreciation for all of that uh, some years ago. My sister... uh, (laughs) once dated a vineyard owner in Texas. Yes, they drink other things besides Lone Star beer and margaritas there. Uh, Amen, Susan, right? You know what I'm talking about. But when I toured the vineyard for the first time, I I gained great appreciation for the massive amount of work it takes to, to grow and to harvest the grapes. And when it was time, When it was time to gather grapes, uh, he had to round up as many pickers as possible and as quickly as he could to get the job done. Now, in the parable, the pickers are picked from 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. The 5 p.m. pickers are not only paid first, but (laughs) they're paid the same as those who experienced the wrath of grapes all day long. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Those... uh, (laughs) Uh, those who were excited just to get to work in the morning now become uh, the opposite. They are enraged. They are enraged. And someone once said these words, and I think they're so appropriate for this story and for a lot of the things with which we deal. The person said, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. And that happens here in this story. These, these folks have been grabbing grapes 12 times as long. As they, you know, they, they do the math and they beat a path to share their wrath with the landowner. They carry picket signs that say, you pay it or you pick it. Uh, who knows, these, these may have been the original picket signs. I don't know. But uh, reporters from uh, local stations asked the spokesperson who says equal opportunity is fine, but not equal pay for unequal work. Boom! And the front page headline next morning in the Galilean Gazette 
says something like this, whining in wine country. So, so, so what does the landowner do? Well, like politicians and CEOs, the landowner gets the manager and staff and PR people to come up with a statement, need a, need a statement, and he comes up with a very good and reasonable one. He says, I'm, I'm doing you no wrong. You, you agreed for the daily wage, right? Aren't I allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Friends, he calls them friends in this story, his workers. Friends, friends, are you envious because I am generous? And another translation in another text is even more penetrating. And the translation is this. Friends, are your eyes evil because I am good? And we think, wow, wow. And, and things get pretty quiet in a hurry in the vineyard and the cameras go off and the reporters go back to their offices and the workers stop whining and they set down their picket signs and one by one they begin to drift away thinking about the words well how do you like the parable now (laughs) With, with whom do you identify in this story Are you with the first comers? Are you with the last comers? Are you with the landowner? Where's God in this story? And why did Jesus share this tale about winers in the wine country? Is this a parable for the past, the there and then? Or is it for the future, the if and when, or the present, the here and now? Perhaps Jesus is trying to send the message. Maybe he's trying to send a message to the folks who felt they were among the spiritually elite, the first comers. Or maybe he was just trying to get folks in general to accept the Gentiles. We've been talking about that a lot lately. Or, or, or maybe his target audience was even more specific. Maybe he was drilling the disciples who were becoming threatened by Jesus' growing number of followers. You, you remember all the times they whined and complained about, I'm going to sit at the right hand. No, I am. You are. Not, not, not. Or is this a future story? Is this a future story, a description of that grand and glorious day when all of, of God's children come to the table? And what about us? Are there ears that need to hear here? If this story is about God's grace and mercy being given equally to first comers and late comers, do we really want to be a part of this? If God's realm looks like this, is it possible to incorporate this kind of thinking and behavior into our lives today? Now, I want you, don't, don't answer yet, please. Be careful and prayerful before you say yes, because this is a big yes. The message of the parable stands diametrically opposed to our logical sense of justice and fairness. If this were an isolated story, we could just 
pay less attention to it. You know, Matthew's the only one that wrote this story. Just just set it aside. Let's read some stuff we like. Uh, but, But it's just one piece of a puzzling pattern of Jesus' teachings. Remember the tale of the spoiled brat who was welcomed home by the forgiving father after blowing the family fortune? Remember the story of Jesus commending Mary while her sister did all the cooking in the kitchen? Remember the time he said the woman's small offering was more significant than the big gifts of the one percenters? Remember that Sermon on the Mount when everything gets turned upside down and backwards and inside out? Let's be careful about our yes. Let's be careful about this discipleship thing because it is likely to to, to shake, rattle, and roll away some of our uh, ways that we are used to operating and thinking and behaving and treating people. Jesus challenges some of our ideas and notions about what is really fair. If the realm of God is like this, can we begin to celebrate with the latecomers rather than begrudging our you know, their blessings. Can we begin to incorporate this kind of behavior into our lives? Can we welcome uh, the new student to class, the latest team member to work, uh, the most recent church member in our ministry? Can we welcome the newest refugee to our community or our country? Can we help a stranger find a place at the table of grace? Because if we do, if we do, new and different faces will gather with us around the table. A comedian uh, offered an insightful one-liner that I think is appropriate for this story. Uh, One time he said, don't you say you're not my friend. Nobody's going to tell me who my friends are. And Jesus seems to be saying a similar thing here. Nobody's going to tell me who my friends are. And his friends are to be our friends. There is no place for envy or jealousy in the realm of God. The parable, I think, is not about a fair labor code or an economic system. The story startles those of us who may have joined the Jesus parade because we were interested in, you know, what's in it for us. You know, we don't do kingdom work worrying about what we're going to get. We don't join the procession so that we'll become rich or famous or or have all the answers to our problems and questions. We go to work. We go to work because the work itself is a gift. The work itself is a gift. The work is an immeasurable honor and privilege. It carries its own reward because it brings us closer to God. You know, when I'm puzzled and perplexed by a parable, one of my go-to authors is Robert Capon, who offers these ideas about this story. 
Listen closely. He says, bookkeeping. Bookkeeping is the only punishable offense in the kingdom of God. For in that joyful state of heaven, the books are ignored forever. In the book of life, nothing stands against you. There is no debit There are no debit entries that can keep you out of the clutches of the love that will not let you go. There is no minimum balance below which the grace that finagles all accounts will cancel your credit. The last may be first and the first last, but that's only for the joy of making the point. Everybody gets full pay. He says if the world could have been saved by bookkeeping, it would have been saved by Moses and not Jesus. Mm -mm -mm. And so, friends, whether we begin work at 6 a.m. or 5 p.m. or sometime in between, this story, wow, this story gives us powerful reasons for great celebrations. This parable, my friends, is really, (laughs) is really good news.